Welcome to a very special MXON with MX Vice and none other than Whiskey Throttle Media. I'm James Burfield. Uh, this show is brought to you on my side by um, Thor and Cherubis. And with me is none other than David Pingree. Hey, David. Hey, great to see you, bud. And uh, stoked to be here doing this with you. We're excited about the MXON. Uh, I want to give a thank to thank you to Yamaha, who's been a big supporter of ours, and also the folks at Race Tech. Those guys have been great, um, fantastic suspension, and now engine mods. And uh, we're stoked to have them on board. And stoked to join you. A lot of really interesting uh, storylines building up for the uh, MXON, and uh, anxious to talk to uh, talk to you about all of it. A lot going on behind the scenes. We're trying to get that, and also there's a lot of US-based riders which are going to be appearing in the in the nation's team teams as well. So um, I'll rattle off the first one, which uh, a real dark horse ping, and I have two riders. Tim Geiser is obviously multiple world champion. Uh, Jan Pankar, who um, is my favorite privateer, he goes to the uh, every GP top ten MX2 rider. Uh, him and his dad go to uh, every GP around the world, which is uh, a hell of a uh, commitment. Um, but two very, very solid riders. You know, you've got, Guy, you've got Tim Geyser, who could uh, possibly, you know, take some motor wins. Uh, and then you've got um, Pankar, who's going to be there or thereabouts. You know, Slovenia could be a team that um, could actually sneak into a top five um, without anybody even talking about it. I, I'm guessing Pankar is not a rider you possibly heard of, Ping, but um, obviously, Tim, you, you know, you're, you're you're well aware of. I mean, I've heard of those guys. I've heard of Pankar, but I, as far as watching him and seeing him, it's, it's tough. Um, the media we don't get to see a lot of those guys that are really fighting from fifth to 15th in there, you know, but um, I think you're going to see a lot of teams this year sneak in and have an opportunity to, to be an upset team. Um, again, there, there are some solid ones that have always been solid and will continue to be, but I think you're going to see some interesting stuff this year. Uh, you know, it all depends on that, that one guy that just needs to put one good moto in, right? Yeah. And so if he can yeah. get a decent start and, and stay on two wheels and put in a good solid top 10, I mean, that's all it takes for these guys. Now, easier said than done, but I think we're going to see a couple of countries that we probably don't expect, like potentially uh, these guys sneak in and be be close to the podium, if not on it. With obviously Slovenia, there's another team, uh, Estonia. They have another solid team with uh, Leok Tauvuku uh, and obviously uh, Harry Kulis. So, um, you know, as I look through the kind of list, you know, Ireland with uh, Martin Barr, you know, the usual uh, McCormick in, 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 in Mira. There's a lot of these teams, um, you know, which you never quite... There's always, like you say, there's always going to be one which is going to pop up and uh, surprise a few. And, and as you look through the list, you've got sort of Finland with Weckman, Havisto in Savonen. In 15th, Team Canada is a pretty good team as well, hey? Yeah, look, this is what I'm saying. There's a lot, a lot of times you have, especially these smaller countries, you'll have one guy who's really good, another guy that's solid. And then the third guy is kind of like, well, we'll see. You know, he maybe. And, and a lot of times it's just... You race, there's all the best routers in the world there, right? So it's a very, very stacked field. And that third guy just has to pull out one good moto, you know? And so Canada is another one. They've never really done great at the motocross of nations, but certainly have the potential to. And uh, with this team, who knows, top top five, top 10. You know, as, as an American, Ping, I know you're very uh, uh, Team USA. Realistically, what do you think that's a team that can challenge for for, for the nations this year? Uh, I think that they've got their work cut out for them. Um, I don't think that it's uh, an impossible task. And I think there's a lot of question marks. And before we talk about those three guys, I just want to say 
I don't know how cl- if you know how close it was to us not even sending a team. And it, it isn't that we didn't want to or that that our guys don't want to go, but you had so many riders changing teams in contract negotiations. You know, Chase is going to KTM, right? His contract was up, and you got Ferrandis, his deal's up, and he's actively riding other bikes. He's got an agreement with, um, well, he's got agreements with teams. He's talked and ridden bikes, and we'll, we'll see. That announcement should come out soon enough. Uh, there's just all of this mix-up going on and a lot of uncertainty. And so those guys are like, look, I don't want to, you're switching teams. It's just an impossibility. Um, it's just very difficult to do. You got Eli coming back from injury. You know, there's just a lot of people that were uh, unavailable to go. Not that they didn't want to, just unavailable. And so uh, I thought it was interesting. We had Zach, Zach Osborne. I don't know if you caught this on his social post. Like, hey, I'll pay for my ticket. I, just, I would love to go. Uh, and, you know, if you didn't already love Zacho, like, who does that? What what rider do you know that's like, hey, I'll pay my way. Just just get me a bike over there and let me go do it. I was pulling. I hope they would. I wish they would have grabbed him. Um, I just love to see a guy who really wants it that bad. I I'd rather give them a shot than somebody who's like, yeah, I'll go. You know, uh, begrudgingly. So talking about the riders that we do have going, um, you know, AP is going to be solid. He's been riding great. The last half of the nationals, in particular, he just he really came on. He was consistent with his starts, stayed off the ground, just had a really, really good run at the end of the summer. And I feel like he's got that bike figured out. He's going to have good support over there, which is another factor, right? I mean, it's much easier for KTM in Austria to build the bikes and bring them to those events than for the other manufacturers here that have to ship a big container over. I mean, you're talking about a lot of money. It's a lot of effort. And um, so it doesn't surprise me that we're seeing an all Austrian effort going over there. Um, AP, I think will be solid. He's going to be the anchor for the team. Uh, RJ Hampshire is as fast as anybody on any day, but he has a tendency to crash for no particular reason. And I'm hoping uh, that he can stay on two wheels. I think he's, he can easily win motos uh, in his class if, if he can stay on two wheels. So he's solid, just got to keep it up upright. And then Christian Craig, I mean, literally just weeks on the bike, um, so total question mark, Christian's an amazing rider. I think he, he can do well. I know he wants to go. So, um, it's just going to be, is he ready? Has, does he have enough time on that bike? They definitely had their struggles early on in the season with setup. He was not comfortable on that thing. Um, I, I mean, all, all you can do is hope they've worked through any issues they had and he's figured out a setting and he's feeling good. And then his only worry will be fitness, right? And <laughs> if you haven't raced any nationals, you're going to go over that. You're going to get tired, right? So he's just going to have to gut it out and we'll see, but they definitely have their work cut out for him. When you start looking at these other teams and the riders, who they're going to be competing against. If I remember rightly back in Ernay in 2015, Ben Tangley kind of returned uh, on the scene for um, obviously New Zealand. And from that point, he surprised everyone with his um, performance that day uh, running up from Looks so good. And from there, it kind of, uh, he had like a bit of a second coming in MXGP with um, aboard Stefan Everett Suzuki. So um, I could just imagine Zach coming back in the uh, Motocross Nations now and then uh, landing an MXGP deal for 24. It's, a, it's such a shame that it didn't come off. Yeah. Like I said, I would have loved to have seen it. And Zach, we did an interview with him, gosh, maybe a month ago or two um, for a feature called Picture This. And he was a loot. I, it's caught me way off guard, but he was alluding to the fact that, yeah, if there was an opportunity to race again, I I'm ready. I want to go racing motocross and supercross. And I, I, that 
caught me off guard. I didn't know that. I, I thought he was kind of done with that chapter and was just going to have some fun and off road and then, you know, sail off into the sunset. But it sounds like if he was given the right opportunity, he would come back to full time racing. Uh, so I thought that was interesting. And then his desire to come and do this event really, you know, cemented that. So it's a bummer. He didn't get a shot. Um, we'll see what happens. Maybe, maybe he'll, maybe a team will need a fill in guy and he'll jump in and have that resurgence. You never know. You never know. Team France, Evra, Vial, uh, and Renault. Renault is, we're still trying to find out how uh, bad the, the calf injury he sustained um, a couple of weeks ago at the British GP. So, uh, but Fever and Vial are obviously um, fit and, and ready to go. What was your thoughts on Tom Vial this year? Did, did he do what he, did he surprise you or, or did he do what you expected him to do? So, so Tom was a, a surprise. And then I don't want to say a disappointment, but, but I thought he would be not as good in Supercross as he was. I thought he did great. Um, he led laps at times. He was consistent. You know, he didn't have the big crashes that sometimes we see guys have their first year of Supercross. I thought he did awesome. But uh, even like Grant Langston and I, when we were just bullshitting and bench racing, he goes, that's your outdoor national champion watch. And so I have high expectations. And I, I just think it took him some time to get used to the tracks and the different, uh, the intensity over here is a little different. I think uh, we've heard that a lot from guys and, you know, it's just different. It's a different world. And I think it just took him a little bit get, to get used to it, but he definitely came into his own. And, and I think you'd be making a mistake if you didn't uh, add him to the list of title contenders next year. Even indoors, I mean, he was—he really did did well. So, um, I I thought I'd see him up front more in the outdoors, but he surprised me in Supercross. So, I think a great season for him, and I think coming over there for this race, he's going to want to, you know, put on a good show, and he's comfortable over there. Like, I think that's a really solid team. Uh, to your point, I, I don't know the extent of that injury. Do they have like a, a backup rider listed in case he's out? I've not, not I've heard at the moment, but um, there's been no inclinations from the, the French team to say that they're looking for another rider. So I'm guessing that he is, it was a precaution. He's, he's healing up, but I kind of reached out to him today on, on WhatsApp, but he, he's not managed to get back yet. I'm guessing trying to keep the, all of us uh, on, on our toes. Guessing. Yeah. And I'm curious, well, let me ask you one other question about team France, because I've heard in the past, they've, there's been like some political decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that have affected their rider selection and certain guys have gotten upset. Were they considering Ferrandis and just his team situation deterred that? Or because a, a French rider is over here racing, they're like, no, we want guys over here. Yeah, I think um, I think Ferrandis was in consideration. Um, however, with Fever and Renault, as in the the way they've been performing in MXGP, of the, you know, Renault was obviously out with the. Uh, the foot injury for for quite a few months but up to that point was was riding really well and he came back and he's been riding you know on pace as well Fevre's form this year has been been superb so i guess from a french federation i don't think they've got a problem really with uh, you know one of the best federations out there i don't think regarding money is is not really too much of an issue from their point of view i think they they're all about fielding the best free riders the only time it comes down to uh to politics, I think, is when uh, I think they've had a few arguments over hats before in uh, energy drink sponsors. So, mm. um, but from a French point of view, Tom Vial on uh, a track which he d he's notoriously, you know, very good on. I think he could be. Uh, I think he he'll want to get back to France as well and stamp his authority on. on yeah, was a bit of a like you say. I think maybe the expectations were quite high on him coming in and dominating, being a two-time world champion. 
on the outdoors and it didn't go quite to plan. So I think, uh, I think this is a great opportunity for him to say, yeah, I'm still here. And, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing, uh, the battle between, um, obviously him, uh, Lawrence, uh, Adam Owen. I don't think you can forget, you know, riders like, um, like DeWolf and Lucas Coonan. Lucas Coonan's 16 years old. Uh, you know, he's just got this no fear. Like he, he's very much uh, a Jet Lawrence when he hit. I just think of Lucas Coonan as when Jet Lawrence just uh, leading Supercross, hit the whoops and just all or nothing. And yeah. that's, that's Lucas Coonan right now. So I think he could be one of those guys that he'll either be 15th in the pack or he'll get the whole shot and he will just go. So... Um, you know, riders like that, I think, is going to be really exciting. Kyder Wolf done well, very well in Redbud last year. Um, he's coming back into form now after his recent injury. And then you've obviously got uh, Simon Lagenfelder uh, from Germany, who's been, you know, like times of this year with, with you know, it's Spain um, and obviously at Matley Basin, first race one, he's just untouchable. So, uh, and it'd yeah, be- I'd almost like to see it. Uh- Sometimes I almost want to see these races like the classes separated. Oh yeah. Because when you throw them in with MX1 or MX3, that's a whole other moving obstacle, right? That that um, you can't account for. One guy just sneaks in and gets a good start and then the other guy's buried a bit and they don't ever see each other. It would be a lot of fun to watch all of those guys just go head to head, but uh and maybe we will. But a lot of times they just get separated amongst the 450s and it gets tough to watch them really battle head to head. Yeah, it's, it's really exciting to see uh, these MX2 riders go, go together. Like you say, it would be great to see a straight up shootout between RJ Hampshire and Vial and Lagenfelder and, uh, you know, Adamo and stuff like that. I think it'd be great to see, but it's going to be uh, interesting as well. The, you know, whether uh, the teams like let the MX2 riders line up on the inside or whether they're going to let them line up on the outside as well with the start. So team tactics, I guess, are going to be playing a part on how well these 250 riders perform. The lesser teams are going to be like 250 riders, probably just like, yeah, it's just... Yeah, you're screwed. <laughs> you're on the outside, you stay there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so Team France, obviously, uh, you know, fantastic team, looking really good. Uh, just the only question mark is, is going to be... Um, Maxine, but let's move on to Australia um, because two riders that you, you've got to know very well um, over in the US and they're dominating, which are, which are both the Lawrence brothers. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't, you know, what can you say about Jet Lawrence? Um, he's been just an absolute revelation over here, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, but especially moving to this 450. And you can kind of see that in his style. He just, his technique is so flawless. Uh, he's the right build. It's like, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. That's just all of these things, all of, all of the pieces of the puzzle that needed to come together just right to create the perfect racer have come together. He's got an older brother that he's been able to chase, right? He went to Europe at a young age and kind of struggled through that, that, um, kind of, uh, difficult upbringing, I want to say. I mean, they didn't have a lot of money. They were broke. If you will, listen to their Whiskey Throttle Show episode, if you didn't know their story, it's eye-opening. Oh, it was it was just, I mean, I was just enthralled the whole time. But but then you've got um, even his build. He's the perfect build for a 450. His height, his, his lankiness, it allows him to do things on that bike that, that even a guy like Carmichael couldn't do. You know what I mean? Um, and then you've got his dad, who is this just this 
grounding rod for that family. Uh, usually by this point, the, the rider and a, and a dad are starting to go their separate ways and have issues. And there's, you know, some bickering going on and it, that doesn't happen in that family. I've never seen it. Maybe it does behind closed doors, but in public, man, they are a well-oiled machine. They're all focused on the same goal. Uh, it's, it's really cool to see at least from an outsider's perspective. So all that to say there, I can't tell you how many times this year, I think he's the, he's the perfect mix of Jeremy McGrath, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart, because he's, he's, he's growing into the showmanship and his agent probably helps a little bit that with the donuts and all the, you know, shittery. He does things like James did where you just go, Whoa, did you just see that hopping over bumps and, and just little creative lines and things that no one else is doing. And then kind of like Ricky, he's got this, this quiet confidence where he can sit for 20 minutes into a moto and he'll follow somebody. Or if he's not quite comfortable, you go, man, is he, is he just going to let him go? And then he flips a switch and he's gone. You know, once he finds the comfort, he has so much confidence in what he's doing that he has that patience to wait and let the race come to him. I mean, it's, it's experience and, uh, veteran skills way beyond his years. And so good luck beating him this weekend to anybody. I tell you, he's going to be tough to beat. Uh, and then you've got Hunter who, uh, by all accounts had his best year ever. He's riding amazing. Um, little hiccup there right at the end of the season, but I don't think it's anything that's going to bug him moving forward. And I don't think Australia's ever had such a good chance to win this event as they do this year. Yeah, Ferris, their um, third rider, he's going to be riding in the open. You know, that's another guy who's, it, he seems to have got better with age and um, he's been dominating everything over in in Australia. Uh, on a Yamaha, you know, he's going to be um, there or thereabouts as well. So, uh, and he's rode Ernie quite a few times. So it's not like a track he's he's just, you know, not accustomed to. He, he's he been over here with um, the Steve, uh, Steve Dixon on, on, you know, when, when Dixon was running Yamaha's, so um, yeah. they're they're gonna you know they're gonna be there or thereabouts. And change to uh, Team Italy with uh, Guadagini, who's in the open class. He's been replaced by um, Bonacorsi. Bonacorsi, uh, uh, upcoming rider, he's on Hutton Metal this year. Uh, EMX uh, two fifty champion, going MX two next year. He is gonna be uh, he he's built for four fifty. He is a bit like Jet. He's very big. Uh, very tall, solid with it as well. Super fast. Um, I think he'll do. I think we we spoke about it earlier this this week um, or last week, where we said that we think maybe he'll be a year in MX2 and then just go straight MXGP. He's young, but he's he's super big. Barato, who's had a fantastic year, you know, winning a qualifying race. Um, he's doing really really well. Adamo, who's just obviously clinched the world championship. It's it's not uh, you know they haven't got Antonio Crowley unfortunately I mean I'm sure um, I think a lot of Italians would like to have seen him come out of retirement after winning the uh, beating it's Liam Everett's on the 250 early this year you know another solid team so um, it'd be really interesting to see uh, you know how Italy do uh, the the one thing I um I kind of spoke about this last week but as I'm listing through these teams I, I think this could possibly be um, the tightest nations that we've had for a long time because. When you look at the USA team, when you look at the French team, obviously not sure about Renault at the moment. Um, uh, Hunter Lawrence, like you say, hopefully he's going to be okay. But if he is carrying a little bit of a knock, um, they've 
you know, each team seemed to, the, the teams which were favorites have got, you know, a question mark, a little bit, a small question mark on them. But the other teams outside of that, like Italy, Belgium, uh, you know, even Spain, Netherlands, Germany, it's just solid. I mean, when you think of Germany, Roxen and Lagenfelder, I mean, Lagenfelder could could possibly go 1-1 for, yeah. you know, in, in MX2. We know what Ken can do. So it's... So it comes down to that third rider again. Yeah. So I say, it seems like there's always one and you go, uh, well, how's he going to do? Yeah, Switzerland with um, uh, Sewer and, and Grillo, both performing really well in MXGP and Tonus. But you're well aware of Tonus. Tonus can literally, oh, yeah. he's one of those guys at a big event, he could just literally pull it out of the bag for, for that one event. Uh, the, one of the interesting teams on there, uh, Ping, which I want to talk to you about, was uh, Latvia, this this country in, in Eastern Europe. You know, they've got two very exciting Latvian riders, uh, the Rasulis brothers, Yanis uh, and Carlis. So basically, they're both very, very young. One of them's just won uh, EMX uh, 125 championship. Both of them strong, strong talents, very fast, uh, Eastern European, uh, so focused. And then they have the season. Uh, Paul's Jonas is still quite young, but on an MXGP bike. So again, as you, as you look through this... I mean, I'm in, I'm going to be intrigued to watch the battles throughout. It's just so tight. Like there's 10 teams there, which um, the positions of the riders in the world championship and in the pro nationals and supercross and stuff like that. So it's going to be an intriguing when these riders are riding for their countries. I mean, that is an extra pressure that they're going to have to deal with, isn't it? That's what I was just going to say when you're talking about like uh, these these younger riders coming just out of the uh, you know EMX classes or whatever, or or just being pulled up as younger guys. There is so much pressure, right? Because all of the midfielders and back markers are gone. It is literally just the cream of the crop in every country, right? Yeah. Um, you're racing against other bikes like you know the the 250 guys they've got to deal with 450s now one way or the other uh so there's all of these variables and it's the very it's, it would be very hard as a young rider not to read jerseys right like yeah. oh snap yeah. jet lawrence is right here and i got you know <laughs> you all of the people you've been looking up to up until that point are lined up with you i think it would just be a lot of pressure for a younger rider to deal with and so I think you'll see teams that have a little more experience, even though like, let's say Australia, yeah, Jet's young, but he's way mature beyond his years in terms of racing. He's done so much already. Um, those guys that have dealt with pressure, contended for titles, um, raced on the, you know, the highest level at the front of the pack, they're just able to deal with pressure. That's, that is one of the traits of being a champion or a contender for championships you have to be able to deal with pressure. So it's a lot like a season opener. Um, sometimes there's guys that just shine at a season opener. Justin Barsha, how many Supercross openers has he won? You know, yeah. he does yeah. very well with pressure. So that's a skill set that uh, some people just have. They're able to block it out or they've matured enough to kind of know how to control their emotions, keep their heart rate down and just sort of focus in and execute. And man, I never was part of a motocross donations team, but I, I, I understand what it means, not just, uh, because it isn't just you anymore. It's not just your results and your team is bummed. If you guys don't do well, you're letting your two teammates down and you're letting your entire country down and you're, you're, you know, you're either going to shine or be embarrassed on a world stage. It's, it's a lot of pressure. So to me, that is one thing that, um, 
really defines the, these winning teams is who can who can block that pressure out and execute. And so, yeah, to your point, going to be a really fun race to watch. But I, I think if I had to make a guess, those young riders that are kind of getting their first taste at this, it's going to be a lot. Hey, the heart's going to be uh, beating at uh, a serious pace when I'm sure when they're lying up and they look to the left and there's Ken Rocks in there and look to the right and uh, there's Jet Lawrence. Yeah, I mean, I don't care who you are, that'll that'll pucker you up a little bit. Speaking of Ken, obviously he's just uh, renewed his contract for another year. He's going to be one of those guys, obviously returning to, to Europe as well. Uh, we'll know Urne. I'm pretty sure he's got something to prove. Hey, with the last couple of uh, SMX rounds with with him and Jet, he's going to be looking to show I am the best in the world. Yeah, I think he, um, you know, Jet, I don't want to say embarrassed him, but that whole letting, letting him buy thing and then to come out and just beat them both, you know, you're right. I think Ken would love to come out and win a moto, especially one with Jet in it. Um, but, you know, either way, that that aside, He's just riding really well right now. When he came back and did uh, high point this year, I mean, he was clearly the second best rider on the track and gave Jet all he could handle. And then all of those SMX rounds, he was good. He was really good. So I think I actually just rode his bike last week, the race bike. They let all a bunch of media outlets have a spin on it. And I was blown away. The bike's incredible. Really? Uh, it's incredible. And um, I think he's just, Whatever he's figured out personally, he's in a good headspace, and I'm blown away he can not race for so long and then just come in and still run that pace for the entire time. He did not get tired. Pushed Jet right to the checkers, which I just I was like, it's impressive. So I think Ken will do really well, and I think uh, he was bummed that he didn't get to go to Germany and race this year. They were supposed to have a world round there, and this is close as he's going to probably get to home, and so I'll bet he really lets it rip. Oh. Obviously, Germany, uh, Tom Cock, Lagenfelder, uh, and Robson, super, super strong team. Uh, one of the guys which um, we've not mentioned yet, um, and he's just obviously won his first MXGP World Championship. He's a, he's won two MX2 titles now, one MXGP, and there's been a lot of rumours about him um, going stateside at one point. He's only 22 years old, is uh, Jorge Prado. Um, him, Fernandez, if Fernandez has had a very good season, uh, rookie season, MXGP and, uh, Braceres is injured. So he's got replaced by Olivier Oriol, uh, a very, very good MX2 up and coming rider. Again, Spain, dark horses, you know, you've got Pleasanger, you've got Christian Craig, you've got Fevre, Renault, you've got Jet Lawrence, Ferris, Barato, um, Bonacorsi, Gertz. Uh, Liam Everts on the 450 for the first time. Prado. For well, Liam's the, riding a 450. Liam's going to be riding a 450. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, Fernandez, Prado, uh, Vlanderen, Koldenhoff, Roxon, Sewer, Gilo, Ben Watson, Conrad Muse, Pools Jonas. And That's a heavy list, brother. That is a heavy, heavy list. I'm, I could still go on and on. When you start to you think the 450 in the open class, that's just going to be insane when those guys race together yeah so. that's what we want to see i mean obviously i wish eli and chase were there as part of this i think obviously we all wish that but um you know like i said christian and blessing are no slouches and and uh they're gonna let it rip this is gonna be a fun one to watch and to your point about prado uh so 
I, I can't give away any sources, but he is, he is definitely coming here. I uh, don't know if it's 24 or 25, but um, from what I gathered and I, I can't, I want to burn my source, but it's, it's happening. And so I'm excited to see how that goes. He's uh, it seems like the riders that come over here and, and do, do well, or the French riders, cause they have a little more supercross experience. I don't know how much Jorge has ridden, but uh, it doesn't mean he can't come here and be successful. Greg Albertine came over and won a, a national title and won a supercross and, uh, but it'll just be interesting to see. Yeah. I think two years old ping, he's got still time on his side to figure the supercross yeah. side. Okay? And he ha- he's obviously a very good technical rider um, being young. And I, I think, he, you know, I just have a feeling he'll adapt to it quite, you know, a, a little bit easier than, than most with his riding style. And it's just, just, so Spain, you know, again, like, you know, Jorge Prado, Fernandez, they're both going to run well in, in the 450 new open classes. Oriel will hold his own in MX2. Again, it's like that third rider, Oreo, which you mentioned, it's going to be how they, um, uh, now one of the teams which I've tipped to possibly win is the Netherlands minus Jeffrey Erlins because he's obviously, uh, not been picked and he's injured, but Calvin Vlanderen, who's just come off his best MXGP season, another moto, with, uh, sit in the championship. Uh, Kyder Wolf, who is just one of those guys, again, if you get, depending on what Kai turns up, he could be the guy who just blisteringly, you know, walks away with it in, in MX2. And then you've got a guy who, again, you know, we've we seen it in 2018, Redbird, Glenn Holdenoff, who beat Herlin's, you know, they a very, very good team. All the riders um, are in good form, no injuries, uh, I, you know, Definitely, I can see definitely a podium. Uh, the quality of right, the quality of what you've got within those three riders, consistency, uh, just being there. Because an, another thing as well is with the points, with um, you only need that rider to have a DNF and a like thirty ninth or a or a thirty fifth, and suddenly uh, one of the top teams. Um, getting a DNF and, and a 35 suddenly froze, even if they go one, yeah. you know, two, two or whatever, it, it's still, you check that 35 in there is still that that's why sometimes this cons- the consistency of the lower scores and having that third rider you can deliver um, might be the difference between someone winning and losing. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to me too, to watch the dynamic. And, and I think one of the places where America lost its way, when we used to go over there during our streak of winning a bunch, the team all camped together. They walked the track together. They worked together. Now it's like, you know, if Mitch sends a guy, he's over here at the Cowie truck, the KTM guys are at the KTM truck and they, they might pop in on each other throughout the day here and there, but it isn't the team environment that they used to have. Uh, and that's something that, that gets discussed a lot over here when we're talking about kind of where, where have we lost our way? You know, we went from winning a lot to, we just grab a win here and there now, you know? Um, so how are these teams going to gel, right? Like how do those guys all work together? Are they, you got to imagine these riders from these small countries, they're tight. I mean, they're probably seeing each other almost, you know, every single week riding together. Right. I mean, that, that plays a big part in it is, is how your team works together from the mechanics to the managers, to agents, all of them, you know, if they're all, because it's a team effort. It's the only race like it in the world where, they should be sharing lines on the track. Hey, on this turn back here, there's an outside that cuts across over the ruts. You know, look at that on your parade lap or uh, on the start. This is a good play. I've, I've gotten a good start from here before. You know, just sharing tactics and strategies 
it's so important um, for the riders mentally and and just on the track, you know, in terms of uh, practical application. So I think that that plays a huge part. And for the American riders, it's something that's been missing that we've identified. And when you watch like France, let's say we talk about how effective they've been over the last decade. Those guys are tight. They're thicker than thieves, man. Those three, you'll watch them all together all the time, whispering in each other's ears and, you know, helping each other. That's what it's about, you know? So, uh, it'd be curious to see which, which team comes together. Cause I always feel like that's a big part of the winning team is they worked well together. I, you know, probably one of those things where you know it's going to be the team that can put their egos aside because there's some strong personalities especially in team france i don't think there's much love lost between renault and fevra so it's going to be you know it'd be interesting to watch the dynamic there and whether like egos can be put to the side um you know as in you know some other teams as well and it is that whole thing of right we are this weekend team france it's yeah. it's not individual riders it's the team one thing which i'm curious of um uh, we've got Ben Watson, Josh Gilbert in, in Comrade Muse. So, you know, a strong team, but obviously not as strong as previous years when we had like Anstey, Searle and um, Dean Wilson. They, those guys have got a little bit older and um, we've been a little bit sort of uh, slow on developing uh, the next generation of riders. But, you know, obviously from uh, the MXON in in, uh, in the UK is, is possibly one of the most talked about uh, events like we start talking about the motocross nations in i don't know march probably every year oh yeah <laughs> as a country we we just embrace it we love it super passionate um and, and obviously no matter what teams picked we're always behind them what is what's the general census in in the us at the moment towards the the team that you guys are sending out you know is everybody excited about the motocross nations is everybody like right it's not the team what we want, but we are behind it hundred percent. What what's the sentiment out there at the moment? Yeah, listen. Once the, once they pick a team here, every I mean, for the most part, I, I don't hear a lot of backstabbing or oh they shouldn't. Why they send these guys? It's like all right, let's go. You know, let's let's go, boys. I think like every country, we get behind whoever's going and we want to support and we want to see them do well. But man, there is a lot of chatter as it leads up about who shouldn't go and why. No, this guy doesn't. You know it. <laughs> our, our country is a little bit of a wreck right now. I mean, just all the way around, very vitriolic, very uh, snippy and, and, and very separated, you know? And so we can't agree on shit these days. I mean, we're, 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 we're fighting about everything. So uh, it's not really a surprise, but it, it's definitely a lot of bickering. And why didn't the, why doesn't the team, this isn't Roger needs to go. He's too old. And this guy, get that guy out here. And this guy, we need him, you know, it, it, it kind of gets annoying to be real honest for a while. And then once we do finally announce a team, then it, everybody sort of comes together and backs them. But um, there is a lot of chatter about, and I don't want to say hate, but a lot of backlash when we have riders that say no. Okay. And, uh, and even it's interesting to listen to like, even like Wardy, RJ Glover, like the eighties heroes, right. Um, They'll argue that, hey, we race just as much. We never turn it down. It's an honor to go. If you get asked to go, you should, you know, there's no question you go. Uh, and then a lot of the current riders today are like, look, I'm my job is to win Supercross and Motocross titles and now Super Motocross uh, championships. So, like, 
if it's if it's going to negatively impact my ability to prepare or if I have an injury that needs to heal, like we don't, the guys don't get a lot of time. And I don't, you know, you'll hear this side arguing, you know, I go to work nine to five, Monday through Friday, and I don't get to complain about my job. Like, just go do your job. You get paid to ride a motorcycle. You should, you should be thankful. And I get that perspective, but until you've been in those shoes or those Alpine star boots and raced that many times and dealt with that mental fatigue and that physical abuse that your body takes and the pressure and these guys need a break, dude. And we're retiring our elite level guys in their twenties because they're just like, I'm out. Like I can't take it anymore. You know, I'm done. Um, and so even look at a guy like Ken Roxton, he's had to kind of step back and reassess his whole life and just pick and choose what he does and look at him. He's, he's better than ever basically. So I, I just wish people, and they never will, because you, you won't understand it unless you've raced at that level and felt how much it takes out of you mentally and emotionally and physically. These these people are like, just go. You should just go. It's like, well, I kind of feel both sides. Of course, I want our best team to go, but I also get it from these guys' perspective. And if you need a break, you need a break. You know, you go over there worn out and and like depleted. You're not representing your country well. You're not putting your best foot forward anyway. So let somebody go that really wants to go. That's why I was like, man, I wish they'd send Zach. That dude wants to be there. Well, you know what I mean? Willing to set, spend his own money to get there. So anyway, all of that rambling to just say we have a lot of bickering and back and forth over here about who goes. And and when guys say no, they really take some heat. They really do. So No, we can feel the heat over here. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the thing is, is uh, I think you have to put everything in perspective. Um, you know, you, you guys in America are in a privileged position because you, you guys are like the goldfish bowl and we're all looking in. So, um, you know, as much as we love MXGP and everything else, pretty much every European rider I know or every European fan um, follows Supercross. When we're at MXGP, we're talking about you know, who won Supercross the night before and, and everything else. So I'll go up to a rider and say, did you see the race last night? And I'd be like, no, I've stayed off social media all day. I'm going to wait until I can get home, you know. Get, don't say anything. Yeah, don't say anything. I don't want to know any of the results or anything else. So, yeah, you know, riders, the fans, that they all follow it. So I, I can completely understand the pressure, what they're under. And, and like you say, uh, when you're riding for your country, it is such... A, it's a huge honor, but B, when you've got the responsibility of the people and, you know, like, you know, the backlash or when you don't perform and, but you've already kind of committed, even though you kind of, I can imagine it, the mindset of I've got to commit because I've got to ride for my country, but I know I'm not going to be able to give a hundred percent, but I have to find a way to do it. So it must be hard because you're damned if you do, damned if you, you don't in, in some ways. Yeah. And, and, and understand too, that SMX now has pushed out the season a couple of extra weeks. And this is the window that they have, you know, September. That's the only window they have to, to go take a vacation, go spend some time with their family. Um, really just let everything else go, you know, like forget about racing for a couple of weeks. When you commit to the motocross donations, you're basically now we're into October. I mean, they're going to be, they come back and it's like, all right, time to start testing supercross. You ready? And they're and, you know, they're gonna be like, dude, I haven't had any time off, you know, like, it, it, it's cumulative and it rolls right into your next season. Uh, so for a guy like Christian Craig, I'm sure he's excited to go. He just wants to race. Right. But 
RJ Hampshire, I mean, he's he is sacrificing rest and recovery time and prep for 24 by going and doing this. Yeah. He is definitely yeah. making a sacrifice. So when would they usually start um, um testing uh pain? Second week of October. October, you know, usually contracts go through September. October 1st, you're on your new bike or new team if you switched. And if not, you're starting to ride. And, you know, Supercross. And by the second week of October, you're testing. It's it's like full test mode. So, I mean, literally, these guys will get off the plane next, you know, when they come home. And they'll have a schedule of testing laid out. Uh, on so that note, they, might, they might get five days off. On that note, I've got to say, um, Troy Lee Gas Gas one rider announcement ever they broke the internet with that video that's pretty good it was really cool i loved it troy's got a good history remember when they did that thing with barsha where they rented the stadium and he it, it looked like he won a1 do you remember that it was a few years back it was really cool yeah and I, i'm watching that going wait did i miss was the opener last weekend did i did i miss it i, I was totally through me and i'm you know i sponsored by these guys uh, they do a really good job. I mean, it's a creative group, so you kind of see what that turns into. And that was really funny. Yeah. The way yeah. it got me is when they just put the stockings on the face. It, <laughs> it, it was like Beastie Boys, Troy Lee. Troy Lee um, the, 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 the only thing what could have eclipsed that is Sabotage by Beastie Boys, which would have been the music I would have dropped. I think that it was a ripoff from old school. Remember when they went and got oh, the pledges for that? I think that's where they got it from, the van and the whole thing. Yeah, so so is technically Troy Lee is Frank the Tank. <laughs> yes, that would be accurate. Barsha, Going streaking through the quad, he's probably done that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so I just wanted to give a shout out to Troy Lee uh, and that drop because for me, I love that creativity as well because it kind of like that's how I think like rider announcements should be done. And, and it's a real shame that yeah. teams don't get a little bit more creative with, with, you know, dropping it rather than just to say, you know, standard press releases and stuff like that, because, you know, is somebody over it, like not just media, but like, you know, you know, a fan of the sport and stuff. That's cool. That's, that's, that's what gets yeah. eyes on, you know, eyes on our sport is, is those types of videos. Like anybody would appreciate that from anywhere in the world in whatever sport it's, it's a fun announcement. So you crushed it. Definitely do check that out. Rider De Francesco uh with the Toily uh designs uh gas gas team. It's a super cool video. Um but Ping, I think that's about it. I think we've pretty much covered every team. Um uh, you know, shout out to t- Team Sweden, uh Gifting, Uslin, Benson, you know, another solid team. Uh, Canada, we've not mentioned, Wright, McNabb, Pettis, you know, another solid team. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. I um, hopefully, uh, in the Candon McKellen um, with South Africa, he'll do well. Uh, you know, New Zealand have got Cody Cooper, veteran, uh, Hamish Harwood, uh, James Scott. Solid riders for that. It's going to be really interesting um, nations. Ping, have you got... Uh, What's your predictions? What's your uh, top three? Oh, this is hard as an American to not pick my team, but I've thought about this, and I, I, I'm telling you, I think Australia wins this. Really? I do. I really do. Uh, I think France is second, and I'd like to say our guys are third, but if I'm being real honest, I think Netherlands. Wow, yeah. I, um... I don't know, man. Like, may, Maybe I'm off, but like, if I'm just looking at the names and – 
that's how I see it playing out. There's definitely, like we talked about, there's a million different ways that could go. I think there's, I think there's probably seven or eight teams that should be on the podium or could be on the podium. Yeah, I agree. It's just all going to be how it plays out, you know. That third rider, this is going to be the nations, which is won by the third rider. Yeah, I mean, pretty much every team, and and even our team, the big question mark would be would be Christian, not because of his ability, just he hasn't raced. Yeah, you know, you just show up to the motocross of nations when you haven't raced a national all year. That's a lot of that's a lot, you know. So uh, they're all going to have to deal with it. Uh, it's just which which country can show up and perform. You know what I mean? Cool. Well, what about uh, you? Do you know I um. I kind of gave a prediction. I thought that uh, I was going to go with Netherlands for the win. Uh, I'm pretty sure I was going to go Netherlands, France, and America um, in third. And the only reason I didn't tip Australia for the podium because I was a little bit concerned about Hunter Lawrence, but you've kind of given me a little bit of uh, uh, reassurance about Hunter being good for this. So... um, I'm uh, yeah. I'm I'm I might have to change it, and I might have to say uh, I'm still going to go Netherlands for the win. Uh, maybe I'll go Australia second. And um, you got to remember, Hunter's won the 250 class at Designations before. He can he performs. Yeah, that's why I'm so I'm. I think Dean is their guy who's like, how's he going to do? But I think I think you know top ten. He's going to be solid. I don't think he's going to you know, blow it. No. So I, I don't, if I'm, I'm looking at them on paper, that, that's my team. Yeah. They're looking good. If they can go one better than last, last year, was it second? Like they got in last year. I'm pretty sure it was, or was it third, second, I think second. And they've never won before. So no, it could be the year. I mean, yeah, I think Lucas Murrow might have a few drinks on that one. Oh, geez. Yeah. He's going to blow right out of those tight pants. I oh, think God. if they win, <laughs> um ping always a pleasure to chat to you in i'm you know this year we're trying our hardest aren't we this year and next year to do a lot more of these collabs of mx vice in uh whiskey for all media so i'm looking forward to this yeah absolutely james i i'm i love what you guys are doing over there and um you know we we want to be more involved in what's going on with mxgp it's just logistically difficult so you know, I kind of talk like, Hey, let's, let's help each other and share, share content and, um, kind of be a, you know, nice little partnership. So I love what you guys are doing, man. Stoked to work with you guys anytime. Yeah. And exactly yeah. thing for me, uh, us, I'd love to be there, but logistically it's, it's very difficult. Um, but if you guys haven't had a chance, definitely check out the whiskey throttle show on, um, obviously on, uh, iTunes also on, on YouTube. Um, like I said, there's, uh, I was with Jamie Dobb today and you've done a, a really good, um, you know, interview with Jamie, which I, I, you know, I've watched halfway through. I still got to do the other half as well. Um, you know, the, the, the Lawrence brothers one is, is amazing, especially because they don't do a lot of, uh, podcasts and, and stuff nowadays. So if you really want to get some good insights uh, on the Lawrence Brothers before the nations, then definitely have a listen to uh, to that episode on Whiskey Throttle. Um, there's too many of my favorites um, on the Whiskey Throttle show, but yeah, if definitely, definitely check the Whiskey Throttle show out. Um, 100%. Uh, just literally pull it on on the way to the nations uh, after you've listened to this one. It'll get you in the mood. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's like good baby making music for a date night with your wife. If you're going to, <laughs> to a race, you just put on the show. Put on the ready, show. To, ready to twist the throttle when you get there. I love it. <laughs> Pink, looking forward to this. Um, I'll, uh, I'll keep you updated throughout the weekend. I'm sure you're going to be watching on TV. Um, and uh, yeah, let's see if we can get our, see who's going to be closest with our predictions. All right, buddy. Cheers. Have a great time out there. And everyone that's going, enjoy your weekend. And uh, we'll see you soon. That's great. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for everybody who's listening. And uh, we'll be back soon.